Uh, yeah, I've always been real passionate about stuff. And when I, when I like something, I tell everyone I know about it. And so, yeah, I kind of caught on like wildfire because like one friend would start watching it and the, the group kind of just grew and we, we went over to this one friend's house. They were in their basement playing uh, World of Warcraft. Oh my gosh. Pitch, pitch black. We we're like, nope, we're watching the OC and we forced him to watch it. Welcome back to Let's Talk OC, an OC podcast. I'm Michelle, and today I'm joined by superfan Dan Widrowitz to talk about Welcome to the OC, the Oral History, written by Alan Seppenwald, Josh Schwartz, and Stephanie Savage. Hey, Dan, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. I'm just so excited that you're here to talk to me about this book and also that we can just connect face to face because we have definitely communicated through Instagram DMs. And I just want to start with what you wrote in our guest form. Our last question is, is there anything else we should know? And you said, I'm really looking forward to this. The OC is one of the few things I can talk about nearly endlessly. So I'm stoked that I get to talk about it with another super fan, which just like, yes, 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 another super fan to connect with. So please tell us what's your relationship with the OC? How did it get started? Yeah. So yeah, I've been watching since it first aired summer of 2003. That was uh, the summer after I graduated high school. And I've been watching since day one. I've watched all those promos with Sandy talking about, he's not a criminal mastermind. He's just a kid with nowhere to go. And, you know, that played over and over. <laughs> and so, yeah, I started watching right away in August. And they played multiple times a week. And I'm pretty sure I tried to watch it every time it aired because times were different back then. We couldn't just rewatch it anytime we wanted. <laughs> watched the whole run uh even had watch parties at my parents house with some of my buddies it was mostly a male party uh occasionally a couple girlfriends would show up but, <laughs> but it was mostly guys really and uh probably what six seven eight of us depending on the week getting together to watch it it's mostly during season two i think and then we kind of started going our separate ways and people started moving away but yeah 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 i've been watching it forever and so i always Always was a big fan, but uh, during the pandemic and with the podcast starting back up, uh, well, not starting back up, starting period, uh, that's when I rediscovered the show and started watching it on HBO Max, which made streaming made it so easy to watch. I went from maybe watching it, I probably had watched it two or three times to watch, I think I'm at 11 now. Wow. So, All the way <laughs> through? All the way through, 11 times. I'm pretty sure that's pretty close to an accurate number on me. <laughs> and I, I just went nuts. And especially during the pandemic where things were just so bleak. And that was kind of my comfort uh, every day because I didn't miss a day of work. I work in the signage industry and th that never shut down. So, so I'd go to work, come home, watch the OC. <laughs> And just go, 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 go. And for a while, that, that was all I watched. I know. It's such a wonderful escapism, especially if it's something from childhood. Well, nostalgic from being a teenager. And then when you get oh, to yeah. revisit it. I just want to go back to the fact that you mentioned you and your male friends gathered to watch this. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Because growing up when I watched it, it was just me and my one female best friend. And we watched it religiously together. And then I made a boyfriend watch it when I was in high school. But like no other dudes in my life were into this show. So how did you find each other? Or was this like, hey, I started this show. It's really good. You should watch it too. Uh, yeah, I've always been real passionate about stuff. And when I, when I like something, I tell everyone I know about it. 
And so, yeah, it kind of caught on like wildfire because like one friend would start watching it and then <laughs> the group kind of just grew and we went over to this one friend's house. They were in their basement playing uh, World of Warcraft. Oh my gosh. Pitch, pitch black. We're like, nope, we're watching the OC and we forced him to watch it. <laughs> so it, I don't know, just a lot of good memories. Okay, that's amazing. Now, you said before we started recording that your wife likes the show, but how yeah. did that go with introducing it to her? Has she seen it before? We've been together roughly since then. A few months after the OC started, we started dating. So we've been together a long time, but we went to college in different towns. So, yeah, we were kind of separated, but she, she was watching the show too, but probably not every episode. So she, she liked it. and. Uh, up until recently, I haven't been obsessed, obsessed. I just, you know, I own the DVDs, you know, all that. Yes, yes. Always talk about the songs that when a song would come, I'd be like, oh, that song was on the OC. Yes, this is the moment <laughs> that it happened. <laughs> yes. <laughs> did she join you on your rewatches during the pandemic? Uh, she did join me on one rewatch. After, after one run through, she was good, especially after the end of season three. Right, it's pretty right. brutal. Yes. <laughs> you don't want to keep doing that over and over. But Yeah, I introduced the show to my husband when we were just dating years ago. And it was one summer during July. And I was like, hey, you know, have you ever watched The O.C.? And he was like, no. And so we binged it and he loved it. And I feel like that was subconsciously kind of a little test. Like, hey, if you love this, yeah. you're it. <laughs> this is it. This is the test. And then I slowly tried to influence my friends to watch it. Like if you're friends with me, it's probably going to come to a point where I'm going to make you watch at least one episode. And then of course we did the podcast, Let's Talk OC. Yeah. And now that's all I want to do is find people to talk OC with, which you get. I do. <laughs> and you were on an episode of Welcome to the OC Bitches. So how did you land that spot? It was in response to uh, uh, the My Two Dads and season four. Yeah. Because yeah. that's one of my favorite moments when uh, Ryan literally calls Sandy dad and he does it twice and it never happens again. It's just a huge moment. Like for me, especially after rewatching it as an adult, because when I watched it as a kid, it was a little different I, related to the core four, you know, more so than the adults. And then rewatching it, I, I relate to everything. <laughs> And it, it's just amazing. But, yeah. <laughs> but that Ryan and Sandy relationship, it's just so important to me. And it's really, for, since day one, it, it's the most important thing. That's what everything is set in motion by. And so, yeah, I had a pretty passionate response, I think, that I sent to the email <laughs> for the pod. Mm. And then Katie, the uh, producer, got in touch with me. And uh, I got on the show and it was amazing. It was also a crazy day because I had a job interview that same day. <gasps> so I had, I believe I had the job interview first and then I had to go on the pod. So I was like, this is a really big day. Jeez. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. So I, I, I'm so happy that it was on, on video because it was kind of surreal. I kind of didn't remember it completely. And then I rewatched it. I was like, oh, this actually went pretty well. And it's pretty awesome that I got to do that. Yeah, I know. It is pretty surreal, right? Listen, I got to be on an episode. And I remember after it happened, we were both like, did that actually happen? This does not feel real. Pinch no. me. This is so cool. It was such a great podcast. And I'm really glad that Rachel and Melinda did it. And they were so nice. Yeah. And so, listeners, you might know Dan from Instagram. His handle is at 
fan underscore named underscore Dan. And you recreate OC scenes with Legos, and I'm obsessed with this. I think this is the coolest thing ever. How did you get started with this? Uh, Also kind of started around the pandemic. So been a Lego fan, you know, pretty much as long as I can remember, but I never bought a whole bunch of stuff. But uh, I just got the idea in my head. I was like, well, you can make OC figures out of this. Just because it's so easy to customize. You know, you got a torso, you got feet, you got a head, <laughs> you got a hair. You know, it's relatively easy, or at least I thought, to piece that together. But how do you find these pieces? What are they named? Uh, so I would buy piece by piece off of eBay, which got very expensive. Yeah. So I'd buy just a head, and it'd be like 3 or $4. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And you know, you got four pieces per figure. So it adds up. It's pretty, pretty spendy hobby. But yeah, eventually I got uh, eight core characters from the first season minus probably Luke. I got Jimmy, Julie, Seth Summer, Sandy Kirsten and Ryan and Marissa. I uh, made them all up and posted that on Instagram. But I couldn't tell you how many months that took me to put together. <laughs> I can only imagine. It's so cool. How do you keep them all set up? Do you have space? Uh, yeah, I kind of do. Uh, kind of broke some of them apart to put them in the Cohen kitchen. Right. Yeah. So I probably need to buy extra parts so I have extra figures to put in extra <laughs> cases <laughs> and whatever. It's so cool. I love anything like stop motion, stop animation. I love when things are recreated. And I always said if I had time, I'd probably be really into dollhouses. And so I could just recreate scenes and sets from my favorite TV shows. I don't know if you ever played The Sims growing up. Uh, No, not really. Okay. So that was another thing I was obsessed with. And so I would recreate the Cohen house in the Sims world and I'd create other favorite TV show sets in the Sims world. So are you working on any particular scene now? Do we see anything coming? I love that you did a little scene for the book. Oh yeah. The, that funny little scene. Yeah. I just got, got that idea in my head and I couldn't not put it up. It's so cool. You also created a lot of graphic art around the OC too. Yeah, it's my background. I'm a graphic designer. It's my day job. So cool. I love it. All right. Let's get into the book. Absolutely. So Welcome to the OC, The Oral History by Alan Seppenwald, Josh Schwartz, and Stephanie Savitz. It's a conversation with the cast, the crew, network executives. And as you can tell, Dan and I are both big fans, but I think if you're a big fan and you think you know everything, you should still check out this book because you're going to get something from it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, even if you don't necessarily, if you like television, you don't, you're not necessarily super familiar with the show. I would recommend you've watched it because it's going to spoil a yeah. lot of important stuff. But but yeah, if you've just watched it once or you're a little familiar with it. Yeah, read. it's really good. And it really does answer questions that you might have been wondering. And we're going to do our best to talk about some highlights. Uh, but if we went through the whole book, we'd be here for hours. So we're not going to go chapter yeah. by chapter. But how did you consume it? Did you read it or did you listen to it? I did both. It's, I read it first, which I'm glad I did it that yeah. way because I would... It's written, you know, very casually. So sometimes I would read it and maybe I didn't read it with the same inflection that the person would, mm. would have been speaking. Mm-hmm. So I'd r- read it a couple times like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Or if something was really interesting, I'd double back. Or 
and I really took my time with it. Yeah. And it, if I would have been in the car listening to it, it would have been kind of dangerous because I would have been really distracted. <laughs> totally. What do you think of the voiceovers for the actors? Overall, pretty good. Uh, I thought Adam Brody's was especially good. Yeah. And Melinda Clark's was also good. Uh, I, the one for uh, Ben McKenzie sometimes would kind of distract me because he was trying to be kind of like that outsider. <laughs> I know. And I was like, Ben doesn't really sound like that, but okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm along for it. I'm so glad you brought that up because I noticed that too. I thought the voice actress for Melinda Clark was really good and same for Adam, but the Ben one, I found mm-hmm. myself laughing a couple of times. I was like, they're definitely making a choice here to represent him. Yeah, he's trying to be a bit of a tough guy. <laughs> like, right, right. Ben's actually a pretty warm guy, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I just want to start with the chapter talking about the pilot. And what I found most fascinating reading this one was just mm-hmm. the stories about Doug Lyman, who directed the pilot. What do you think of Doug? Were there any stories that stuck out yeah. to you? Yeah. He was working on Mr. and Mrs. Smith at the same time. And they were talking about the scene they were filming with Seth and Ryan on the boat. And, and Doug, during the middle of it, just jumps off. Jumps off? Yeah, he just jumps off. And he talks about how he wouldn't leave set and he would just sleep in Seth's bedroom. He sounds like a kooky guy, but everyone seemed to have such great things to say about him. I thought he seemed like a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Kind of crazy, a lot of energy, but even though he's prepping for a movie, he's directing this big pilot. And it seemed like the people enjoyed him. Uh, and he also technically saved the show because if he wouldn't have come along with McG not being able to be involved yeah. in the network being so mad at them yeah, about that whole thing, it sounded like the whole thing could have been derailed right there. Was there anything else that you found fascinating about the pilot and how it got started? Uh, just Misha talking about having time to actually prepare. Yeah. And I, I think she's never better than in, in, in the pilot. So that makes a lot of sense. Just the way she is, how playful she is with Ryan and Sandy at the end of the driveway. There's, there's a lot of really good scenes. She's just terrific. In it. She's so good. And then I just can't imagine how fast those shows move. Like once they did the pilot and they had less than half the amount of time to follow up with the second episode, it was like, whoa. I know. And it's crazy too. They do talk about this at length in the amount of storyline crammed into season one. I mean, we know that, right, as a viewer. But Alan talks about this mm-hmm. and I found an AMA on Reddit and he talks about why perhaps the show fell off and why there are only four seasons is because so much was jammed into season one. But I think that's part of the magic too. I agree. Absolutely. It's okay that the show ran four seasons. Like in retrospect, like it's just that everyone expected shows to go on for eight or nine seasons. Like that's success. I'm just like, no, this is success. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Moving on to Oliver. They talk about him in the book and their feelings about Mm -hmm. him. Oliver is a controversial character. I personally love Oliver and uh, on my rewatches, I always get excited when I get to his storyline because it causes so much drama. What are your feelings on Oliver? I'm a huge fan of Oliver. Okay, cool. Uh, Yeah, I've always liked it. Well, obviously it drives me nuts, but like it's in the right way. Like the way like Alan Dale does as Caleb. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this is 
you're getting annoyed in a way that's good in the story. I, I don't know. The point that they made that the audience knows more than the characters, I, I, I kind of get where they're coming from. And maybe we knew for too long. And totally. We're the ones that know that Ryan's not crazy other than Luke. But. Right. So the book does a really good job by breaking down each season with behind the scenes. Every season gets its own chapter. And so when we get to season two, it was really interesting to read about how influenced and involved Josh was when it came to chat rooms and online forums and how easily he got sucked into that. And, you know, I think of it like today, like we're on, everyone's on social media We can get sucked into the negativity part of it and it can get pretty bad. But in 2004, 2005, I personally forgot about forums and I just viewed social media differently. And Josh recalls going out to dinner with Chuck Klosterman and he said something where, why do we always think the mean critics are the smart ones? And he says, if one person was complaining about something in a storyline in season two, that's what he was fixated on, not anything that was positive going on. And in particularly, television without itty forums, which I don't remember. I had never heard of that before. Yeah, I never went on these forums. So I just found that so interesting how Josh got sucked into this. And this truly influenced the writing for some of the storylines and for what was happening in the show. Yeah, I would avoid that like the plague because... I don't even like to read negative things about the OC because it drives me crazy. I'm like, no, no, I I only want to read stuff from fans. I'm I'm good. I know. It's so true. But even like for us, we could could receive all this positive feedback. But if you receive Mm. one negative thing, that truly feels like a reflection of yourself. So I just, I found that whole, uh, that whole part really interesting in the book. I also wanted to talk about their conversation of the introduction of new Trey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and how that whole casting process went down and how they brought the original Trey that we know from season one to audition to come back, and they felt he couldn't go deep enough. And so they had to recast. And there's a particular part where Stephanie is talking about the scene on the beach at the end of season two with Trey and Marissa, where he attacks her. It's awful. And she, Stephanie says how she thinks Misha liked those storylines. But then Misha, she talks about how she doesn't really want to go into depth of that scene and how she didn't feel comfortable. And I just found that whole exchange extremely interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You don't really know what happened there. Like, there's definitely more to the story. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you, you do kind of get a feeling that there maybe wasn't as much communication as they would have liked. And there's a lot of regret on their end. Yeah. And they talk about that a lot as well. The amount of times Josh and Stephanie have owned up to and saying like, oh, instead of having a conversation with our actors or maybe discussing yeah. storylines with them, they hid. I think people can relate to that. Just avoiding a really uncomfortable situation and, and the pressure they're under and the train's still rolling. They still got to make this show, trying to appease the networks, trying to get good good ratings and trying to keep their, their people happy. You know, it's a, it's a nearly impossible task. Yeah. Yeah. Was there anything else that stuck out to you? 
Yeah, uh, so season two, a lot of that is introducing these new characters and how a lot of them didn't really work. And uh, I thought the way they wrote about DJ and how that representation wasn't great. uh, Yes. I I thought that was good to note because it it wasn't. Uh, Yeah. DJ wasn't a fully formed character. And that's unfortunate. Some of the other characters were very successful. I thought Zach was a great character. Alex was a great character. I think Lindsay is better than she's given credit for. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of Lindsay. My really? my yeah. husband hates Lindsay like with a passion. <laughs> Goes on rants about her, but she did invent the Yama Claws. So how angry can we be with her, right? She did. Yeah. I just wish they had Lindsay come back. Even come back for Caleb's yeah. funeral. We brought her in and then she's just gone. Abruptly gone. And we never speak about her again. She's not even brought up in conversation. So I just thought that was strange. And I mean, I get it. We have to keep storyline going, but like, why'd we bring her in to be the illegitimate daughter and then nothing else ever comes of it? It was just weird. All right. So the most I wanted to talk to you about was season three. Yeah, that's definitely the meatiest. Absolutely. And I think overall, when you meet a fellow OC Mm -hmm. fan, it definitely comes up like, what do you think about season three? How did you feel about the ending of it? So what are your thoughts on it? And when you first watched it, how did you feel? Uh, It's hard for me to remember the first time I watched it. Uh, it, At least like the first, let's say two thirds of the season, because I think the back half of the season is really good. Yeah, agree. Front half kind of has some good moments. Uh, Julie's all, always awesome throughout the entire show. Uh, she's probably the biggest bright point in season three, yeah. I think, just because she brings so much levity and she's just so dynamic. Uh, Melinda's just awesome. She in general, is. But, I love her. Uh, and that's a big thing for me, too. Like, uh, I love this show. Uh, even if the episode's not amazing, I always find a good moment or a good performance, or there's always something good there. Like, this is, these are great actors, you know, even if the material isn't at its best, there's so- something good there. Totally. And it's amazing, like, reading about season three and everything that happened behind the scenes between what was happening at the network, how the actors were maybe not the happiest and not that passionate anymore, and how Josh and Stephanie were feeling. It's amazing that anything got done. And I was just very impressed. And... Yeah. I think it's pretty good knowing all of that yeah. information. And I just finished rewatching it probably a couple weeks ago. And this rewatch of season three after reading the book, I actually thought it played even better than the previous times that I've watched it. So nice. I, I don't know if other people have that experience, but I was like, yeah. eh, not bad. <laughs> Still has Johnny and Johnny drives me nuts, but I'm so glad you brought him up. The way they speak about Johnny, played by Ryan Donahue. And again, it's not his fault. It's just the way he was written, right? But we bring this character in and we just torture him. And I thought it was interesting to learn that they tested Sebastian Stan for the role of Johnny, which would have been a totally different Johnny. (laughs) Like, I can't even imagine it. Yeah. Didn't they even say that he was smaller than they realized because they didn't cast him in person? Yes. Yes. It would have just been a totally different 
vibe. But I think the biggest thing for me for season three, and obviously, yes, we kill Marissa, which we will get to, but we killed Johnny. We killed two teenagers in season three. And I was waiting for this to be talked about in the book. It's probably one of the biggest things I wanted to know more about. Other than to just get him off the show completely. Yeah, but like the choice to kill him. Like, how was that always the idea? Were they just like, we have to get him off fast? And then for him to fall off a cliff? Why didn't we just send him away for rehab? Or maybe like he's just not in Marissa's life anymore, right? Because Marissa's now back at Harbor. They just brush over it, really. Like, right. They have the one episode with the funeral, and then it's like, all right. <laughs> I know. Other than Marissa kind of holding on to it. But. Yeah. Right. Even Sadie doesn't seem to be holding on to it that hard. It's so true. It's like once she meets Ryan and she's got her jewelry line, like we're good. I just, I can't get over the fact that we killed two teenagers in one season. Like that is really dark. It's really dark. What else annoyed you about Johnny? Okay. So Chris McCaw, Bar Mitzvah. In that episode, Ryan saves Johnny from ruining his life completely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Completely. He's going to hold up that, that convenience store with the gun. Yeah. Ryan stops him. Didn't have to do that. Yeah. Saves him from... And so when Ryan goes up to save him again, you're the last guy I want to see. What are you talking about? <laughs> this guy saves you over and over. It has no reason to. He doesn't even like you. That's such a good point. <laughs> That drives me insane. And even like Ryan never even brings it up with Marissa that he did that for I her. Know. I don't even know if she ever knows. I know. Uh, but that drives me insane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. It is crazy. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. What else is crazy and kind of humorous in a dark way, but the song card that aired for that episode, the music was by Rock yeah. Kills Kid. <laughs> <laughs> Literally a rock kid. <laughs> oh, it's insane. It's insane. Oh my gosh. How'd you feel about the backstory and learning more about the idea of killing Marissa and how they came to that? Uh, I just thought it was, uh, the network just had it out for her. And like, there really didn't seem to be a second choice. I, I, I know Josh and Stephanie just feel so bad about it, but like, they could have handled the situation different, but I think the end result is the same. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like someone, another main character dies and it didn't sound like it was going to be anyone but Marissa. Yeah. And so the network was pushing for bigger storylines. They're like, you have to kill someone. It has to be a main character. And they were like, well, we can't kill Seth and we can't kill Sandy and we can't kill Ryan. We can't kill Summer or Julie. So it's like, well, I guess we'll kill Marissa. And some accounts are that one of the executives said it was Marissa, but it kind of seemed to be, there wasn't a straight answer on who said that or did they definitely say that, but there was definitely a strong indication that it's Marissa. Yeah. And then they mentioned the forums again and reading about how people just did not like Marissa as a character. And then overall on set, you know, we knew that Adam and Ben, they were probably ready to leave. Same thing with Misha. But yeah. to decide to kill her. And 
the fact that once that was decided, Josh and Stephanie didn't want to make that call to her. They hid because they couldn't handle it. Didn't want to talk about it before the decision was made. Right, right. They didn't want to own up to that conversation. In the end, though, it just seemed like that was going to be the decision because there there wasn't going to be a situation where no character died. It didn't sound like that was a possibility. Right. And then just how Misha explains it from her point of view of like, oh, I didn't really have a say in this. It's not like I chose this way. She says that, you know, Marissa's storylines were exhausted, but I don't think that she wanted to be killed. But also she was just following what her contract said. She plays it so beautifully. The season three finale is it makes me cry. It's yes, it's rough. But the whole graduation sequence, and then we have the last time they're all hanging out in the pool. Once you see it once, it hurts even more every time you watch it. You know it's coming. Yeah. Luckily, I've seen it 11 times. So <laughs> the 11th time wasn't as bad, but <laughs> it's still pretty, pretty brutal. Do you remember watching it for the first time? Like the finale night of season three. And were you teased by Misha uh-huh. that Marissa was going to die? Did it get spoiled for you? No, it didn't get spoiled for me. Yeah, it got spoiled for my friend and I. Oh. <laughs> but I didn't want to believe it. Okay. And that night, we gathered to watch the finale. And I was actually uh-huh. having a house party that night. So my friends ended up coming a little bit earlier. And I was like, stay downstairs. And we were locked up in my bedroom. And I just, I couldn't believe this to be true i couldn't believe marissa was dead and yeah. that they would do this like who kills a main character i was in such disbelief and then afterwards learning that even though people might have disliked marissa they didn't want her to be killed yeah it's a big move it's a huge move but it's possibly one of the biggest deaths in tv history so how did you feel about season four as a whole uh, I think it starts incredibly strong. Yeah. Then it has good episodes and weaker episodes and kind of meanders just a little bit. And then it finishes extremely strong. Yeah, I love the way it ended. I feel like they did a really good job. I like the levity they talk about it in the book. And it was kind of our time to bring it back. We'll add some silly moments in. Let's tie up these storylines. We have some really good stuff in season four. I mean, in particular, it's my favorite Chris Mika episode. I don't know how you feel about season four Chris Mika. I like it. Yeah, it's really, really good. And I love th- just being able to explore the what ifs, what could have been. Mm-hmm. It's fun. The part at the airport is my favorite. <sighs> I know. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Viewer, you don't know what's going to happen there. And then what plays out is like, that makes sense. And that yeah. allows him to move forward. Yeah. How did you feel about Autumn Reeser as Taylor? She's such a strong choice when we first meet her. Uh, But honestly, I'm so glad we kept her and made her a series regular. And in a way, she kind of saved season four. What are your thoughts on Taylor? I think she's great. Uh, Autumn Reeser's just amazing. She's so dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Pull off. Just. She kind of reminds me of uh, Leighton Meester on Gossip Girl, just how dynamic. Like, she can do anything. Or, yeah. Probably even further than Leighton. And Leighton's amazing. Just Autumn doing all this French stuff. It's 
<laughs> and she's super funny. Some of the best humor in the whole season's from her. And the fact that we come out of everything that happened with Marissa, I think is a, mostly because of her. And what she does for the Ryan character of saving him from what happened. Yeah. Did you like them as a couple? Yeah. I thought they were great. I, I thought yeah. they were really sweet. Yeah. Did you like Ryan and Marissa as a couple? Yeah. I love them. They're my, they're my favorite. Yeah. It can be pretty polarizing. You know, some people are Ryan and Marissa till the end. Some people are Ryan and Taylor to the end. Some people feel that Marissa ruined Ryan. And so, Both work. yeah. I agree. Yeah. And so I just feel like, no. Ryan and Taylor worked, and so did Ryan and Marissa. What surprised you most in the book? Uh, a lot of uh, just the unhappiness kind of surprised me. It just how high the high highs in season one, like everyone was banding together to make this really awesome thing, and as soon as season two, even you know, you know, it's it's not as cool as it was anymore. It's just a job now. It's not this magic thing, but. As a viewer, still the magic thing. Definitely is magic. Is there anything you wish you could have learned or wish they talked about more? Uh, it's kind of a weird thing. I was always wondering who else was up for the role of Frank Atwood. Uh, yeah. Kevin Silver was fine. Uh, it's just, as far as looks go, I never thought he was a great match. I, I kind of wanted someone like rugged and shorter and smaller. But, Mm. He's fine. Uh, mm-hmm. I just was curious who else may have been up for it. Uh, getting to hear from the actors that played Johnny and Oliver would have been cool. Yeah, I would have loved to have heard their perspectives. And I was on a Zoom call with Alan, and we found out that the reason that uh, uh, Taylor Hanley wasn't on is because of his publicist. It sounded like they just didn't want it to make it happen, so... I don't even know. Wait, did you say you were on a call with Alan yeah, Seppenwall? Yeah, through uh, Melinda's uh, Patreon. Oh, how is that? It's super cool. Uh, and uh, it's just going to get cooler. Uh, kind of was, it was kind of hard to provide content during the actors and writers strike. Mm-hmm, but uh, mm-hmm. been doing some cool stuff. And uh, the Beyond the OC podcast can be starting up soon, which everyone can listen to. They'll be that's probably a couple months away, I think. And they're going to they're gonna revisit the top 50 episodes. It's one thing they're doing for sure. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, that's so cool. Very cool. So now that you're a part of their Patreon, have you met a lot of cool OC people? I just missed out on meeting Tate because I had the flu and I oh, just no. needed to rest. So I missed out on that, but uh, they record them. And uh, if you're a member of the Patreon, you can watch the old videos. So. Oh, that's so but cool. But I, I met Alan, which is amazing, and he's a really cool guy. He, and he made this book really funny. Yeah, he seems really cool. And, and like, he, it's not just, he really blended all the stories and the comments together really nicely into a nice narrative. And the callbacks to skin are really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Take a shot every time they mention skin. His father's a district attorney. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have his first book, his first OC book? I bought it and I never read it. Oh, yeah, it's good. I like that Alan talks about it in this one, about how the first one maybe wasn't his best work, but he kind of had to rush through it and it doesn't include everything he wanted. But I still bought it 
and I did enjoy it. And yeah, he just seems like a really cool guy. I really want to get his Sopranos yeah, book. I, I bet that's a great read too. Yeah, I love the Sopranos. Have you met anyone in person from the cast? Uh, no, I haven't because I'm just in the middle of the country. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little difficult, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. But you've met you've met several? I have met Melinda, Misha, and Tate. And Tate? At that, at that thing last year, two years ago? Yeah, it was a couple of years ago. It was really cool. Tate was awesome. He has family that's from a town really close to us. So that was cool. Oh, and cool. then Rachel Virtual, of course, when we were on Welcome to the OC Bitches. She was so cool. Yeah. And then I went to go see Ben on Broadway. I didn't meet Ben, but I was like, I oh, need to be in the same nice. room as Ben McKenzie exchanging oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> but it was good. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, he was great. So I know you're a big fan of teen dramas in general, right? Yes. So I'm mostly just the OC. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I like OG Gossip Girl, even though I hadn't watched it until probably two or three years ago. I'd never seen it at all. Okay. Uh, and I watched it twice and I was like, yeah, this is good. This kind of hits some of the same notes, but the OC just has so much heart. Yeah. With its humor and. Uh, it just layers everything so great. So it's hard for me to get into other teen dramas. Like the closest things that I think that exist right now are like Stranger Things or Cobra Kai. Just they kind of hit some of those same notes for me. Mm-hmm. Where they're they're funny. They have great music. They have kind of a non traditional parental dynamic with a child. You know, and for some reason that's a thing I like. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> and I I don't know why because I have. Just a normal dad, so I don't know. <laughs> hey, when it hits, it hits. It just works yeah. for you. So when you watched Gossip Girl, and it seems like you enjoyed it for the most part, did you go into thinking it was going to be more like the OC? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I think I had no idea what to expect. I, I, I didn't think it would probably be the same vibe. I expected probably something a little meaner, just based on the, the title of right. the show. And right. Very little that I knew about it. Yeah. There's a killer cast on that show. Just insane. Absolutely. Yeah, the cast is great. We we cover Gossip Girl on Three Gossip Girls, and it has such a strong pilot. And I remember watching after watching it feeling like, oh, I'm going to love this show because it's Josh mm-hmm. and Stephanie. And number one for me is, well, is always the OC. To me, it's the best teen drama out there. And I cover teen dramas. But Gossip Girl was a little tough for me. I'm not going to lie. It's it's just a different show. And I think I just thought it would feel more like the OC. And it didn't. Well, it doesn't have that warmth. That right, it, right. And while the acting's great, the characters just suck. Like, you don't like anybody. Well, well the first season, you kind of, Dan and Serena, you're kind of rooting for them. And you can still do that at yeah, that point. Yeah, I guess so. But then shortly after that, they kind of ruin it. And then you're like, by the time they get back together, like, okay. uh-huh. and it does feels kind of icky. Yeah. And you're like, okay, why'd you do that to each other? <laughs> just seems awful. Super icky. Yeah. And I feel like it could have ended sooner. Like we said at the top of the show, the OC ending in four seasons, it's pretty great. And yeah. we didn't have to force anything. Like we don't need more. I agree. So we got a couple of questions from our listeners, but one of the main ones was, if they did the OC now, 
how would it be different? A lot more diversity for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Some of the really funny dialogue would be gone. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't work. <laughs> Especially some of the stuff Seth says. Oh, gosh. Wouldn't, wouldn't be great. Couldn't do that today. No. That's why when you watch some of those shows, you're just glad it exists. Yeah. Because I'm just like, this couldn't happen. Now. Yeah, and you just recognize that this is not good yeah. and shouldn't be but said, re- but. And it's representing a certain type of character. It's not necessarily saying this is good behavior. That's right. It's saying. This is a person. That's right. This is what they're saying. This is their point of view. Yeah. Uh, They talk about a little bit in the book that if the show were to come back, what they would want. And obviously, they'd want everybody to be on board. Josh says that Ben would direct it. If he could, he wouldn't want to be in it, but he would be down to direct it. But Josh says he imagines that it would open up with (laughs) Seth and Ryan getting vasectomies, which I think could be really funny. But I don't think it needs to come back. Part of me wants it to come back in a very specific way. Okay, so what is that dream scenario like for you? Well, it's a really drawn out idea, but I'll give you just the gist of it. Okay, okay. It'd frame a reunion within the show itself. So very meta, which is very the show. And it would be a Chrismica episode. So it'd be a Chrismica reunion. And they'd come back to like the Harbor School. And then we'd see where everyone was. But it'd just be one single special. So, you know, it's an hour, hour and a half long. And that's it. I I I don't see bringing it back for another season. I, I think that makes no sense. And there's not enough story to justify it. But seeing our friends one more time and having some fun, I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, listen, I mean, if anything comes back, I'm watching it, right? I'm watching it too, yeah. Yeah, and we're talking about it. Yep. Yeah, but I love that idea, just to see them play together. My dream scenario is not so much I want the OC to come back, but I would love to see these actors get together and maybe be in either like a TV show, an episode, or a movie that they're not necessarily... Just enough of them together. Yeah, like they're not necessarily acting as they're these characters, but they're all in the same production. I would love to just see them hang out. Yeah, and some of the actors from One Tree Hill, they do this with oh, Christmas really? movies, and awesome. they'll use each other. It, it's great. I love it. Yeah, that cast chemistry is just amazing. It would be so good to see them together. I know, I know. I loved hearing Adam's experiences in the book, working on the OC, and he has come around. I know he, in the past, has said things where like he doesn't want to talk about the OC and talk about Seth Cohen, but I think the actors just needed time away from the show to then come back and reflect and talk about it, and I loved his commentary and how he went back and watched a couple of episodes and his perspective changed, like, oh, this is actually pretty good. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, because he's one of the only people that actually came back and did a second interview. Yeah. The first time he was a little little more meh about the experience, but then he watched it and he's like, hey, actually, this was great, which, which is nice to hear because it, it did s- kind of sound like he was kind of on aut- autopilot by like season three or season four, which is kind of sad to hear because he's just so talented. But, but Rachel's like, yeah, he could pull that off. And he's like, Brody at... 50% is better than most people at 90. So. 
<laughs> yeah, and I love that he went on Welcome to the o- OC Bitches. I really thought that they weren't going to get that Adam. Was nice. It was so cool. And then when they got Misha, that was amazing. And then when they got Ben, oh my gosh, that made me cry. Tears of happiness. I was... I loved it so much. I liked much. how much fun Ben had. Like, yeah. of all the people that came on, it seemed like he had a really good time. I know. So good. Did you watch Neighbors to see Misha on it? I or haven't. Oh, it's on uh, It's on Prime if you want to watch it. Is it good? Uh, I kind, kind of got into it. <laughs> it's not too much of a spoiler, but she has a limited run. So once she wasn't on it, it I, my watching of it kind of... And now I've got it. Kind of not watching it, but if I hear she ke- comes yeah. back, I'll I'll jump back on board and get caught up. Cool. I didn't even know this existed, so I'll definitely have to check it out. Yeah, yeah. They they brought back it. it been running for like thirty years in Australia, and then for some reason Prime brought it back after they had a big finale, and Misha Barton was involved. So I was like, all right, I'm going to watch that. I'll support my OC people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to? Oh, uh, the part of the book that wasn't surprising, but it, it was good to hear was that Rachel and Melinda were always great. Yeah. And everyone for the cast was like, oh, well, they were for sure the right people to do the podcast then because they <laughs> appeared to have the best experience doing the show. So I loved that. And then anytime Alan would mention the cast or if the cast felt a certain way, there would be an asterisk and she'd be like, not Melinda and Rachel, though. Make note of that. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> that made me feel good because you, you don't want everyone to be having a bad time at work. Yeah. something that you enjoy. Totally. So, that was good to hear. Yeah, definitely. So when's your next rewatch going to happen? How do you formulate this? How do you go about planning when you do so? Uh, I try to just put it off because <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. you should probably watch something else. But I, mm-hmm. I usually am like, but nothing else will do. Nothing's nothing quite hits all the notes. Yeah. It's like it's just everything. The music's good, makes me feel good. I like these characters. It's really funny. It's like you can't yeah. miss. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we didn't get to talk too much about it, but the book has a huge chapter on the music. I mean, the music is such a huge part of the OC. It's iconic. Yeah, uh, and I love how much Josh was involved. Do you have a favorite musical moment? Uh, well, season two finale, it's hard to beat. Well, yeah. Also, season four opener with uh, Running Up That Hill, covered by Placebo. That's, that's so really good. strong. So good, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Season two finale for me, for there, sure. There's so many of them. Like, the, e- even the moment in uh, season two when Ryan confronts Marissa at the Ferris wheel, and uh, mm, it's called mm-hmm. Trouble Sleeping by the Perishers. I listen to it almost every day. It's so freaking good. It's so good. But but yeah, just played in that moment. I know where it, you know, you listen to any of those songs, you, you can place where it, where you heard it. And they just pick the best music. It's They really do. Yeah, they have a great, there's a great section in the book, a uh, whole interview with Ben Gibbard from Death Cab. And it's great. It's great to hear his perspective, and Death Cab was a huge influence. And Alex Petsavis. Yeah. I hope I'm saying that right. I know. I I'm not close. <laughs> I gotta say it quick. Yes, yes. Gotta like my name. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 
Well, Dan, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for chatting with me. If you ever want to do another OC talk, if you think of anything, let me know. I'm here for it. I would love to talk to you about anything OC related. Yep. Have to find another angle. Definitely want to do it again. It was really fun. Yeah. So please plug anything you'd like to share. Are you working on anything? Where can people follow you on socials? Uh, mostly on Instagram. It's fan underscore named underscore Dan. And uh, there's a lot of OC related artwork. Uh, also into pro wrestling and all kinds of stuff, stand up comedy, what have you. But most of my projects are OC related. <laughs> it's mostly what I like to do when I when I'm not at work and work on some fun OC projects. Awesome! I can't wait to see what you create next. I will link Dan's Instagram in the show notes, so please check it out. Go say hi. Dan, before you go, I have to ask you, did you pre-order the book and get the secret chapter? Uh, yeah, it's just a PDF. Yeah, so I got the secret chapter. I let it sit in my email because I wanted to finish the book. I revisited the secret chapter, and I can't open it. And so I'm wondering what's in it. Yeah, I, I think I skimmed it just for a little bit because it was on comic books is the gist of mm. yeah because they just ultimately decided it of all the things in there that was what could be cut but yeah it's more about the comic books in season two in atomic county i think but yeah i didn't get a chance to read it either <laughs> by the time i followed up oh no it seemed like the credentials were screwed up and but i'm sure there'll be a way to find it or yeah, bummer. I emailed them and I was like, is there any way I can get the secret chapter because this link expired? I haven't heard back yet, though. So hopefully someone will reach back out to me. I, I had to buy a second copy because my pre-order wasn't going to come till like Friday <gasps> when the book came out Tuesday, I think. Yeah. So I went to, went to Target and got the second copy, which worked out because I designed another cover so I could put my cover on the one and then have the default cover on the other. So... I'm good to go. I'm good. Awesome. You're good. You're good to go. <laughs> well, thank you again, Dan. This was so much fun. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Michelle. You're a total Betty. <laughs>